welcome to another episode of the Basketball and Barbells podcast. Today we have a very special guest coming on the show. We have three premier basketball skills trainers in the world, Gannon Baker. Gannon has trained players at every level from the NBA, NCAA, all the way down to the middle school levels. Gannon has traveled all over the globe, impacted the game of basketball. He's been to over 45 countries and worked with countless players and coaches on their games. He's sought out every year by the likes of Jordan Brand, Nike, to run basketball camps and has worked and shared the court with Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, etc. So basically, this guy is the OG and the GOAT of all basketball skills trainers. Gannon, thank you so much for coming on today. Hey, Xavier, thanks for having me, man. You know, I love basketball and I use barbells. So it seems like I'd be, you know, pretty uh, fitting for this podcast. <laughs> it, it, was a, it was a match made in heaven. <laughs> yeah, it's a unique name, man. I like it. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. So to, to put the ball in your court, uh, you know, figuratively speaking, uh, what was your childhood and adolescence like growing up? I'm always big on uh, allowing people to tell their stories. Um, I feel like there's some real value in having stories stories told. So what was your childhood and adolescence kind of growing up? And um, how did you get transitioned into basketball? Well, you know, I grew up in Hampton, Virginia. And my dad was a high school coach. And my grandfather was a four-year letterman at the University of Richmond. He was on the uh, only undefeated team in the history of University of Richmond basketball. Uh, but he played four sports, lettered four years. So, you know, I asked, athletics was in my family, and my grandparents lived right across the street, which was unique. And they built uh, my first basketball hoop at age six. So that's when I got it introduced. And, uh, you know, I played. It's funny, man. My, I had some kind of racial, um, you know, a little bit of race, racial friends and a few family members. And they said, Gannon, you know, you, you need to stick with all the white sports. Because I, oh, wow. I was, yeah, man, I was really good at uh, tennis, uh, swimming, uh, baseball. You know, we lived right near the Chesapeake Bay, uh, you know, a little bit lower than middle class. My, my parents were uh, teachers and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we were by, right below the middle class level. I, I shared a room with my brother who lived in bunk beds. Uh, had another brother, and uh, we had one bathroom for five people, one house, and no AC. So you know, um, <laughs> we uh, so we were always active, man. And uh, we lived near the water, so I did a lot of water sports. But basketball was my love, man. My dad was a coach, and um, the ABA, you know, Dr. J, they would come through and play Richmond Squires. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, so I got I got a chance to see a little bit of uh, high-level basketball, the CAA tournament, the CIAA tournament. I'm not familiar. I'm not sure if people are familiar with that, but like the CAA, Richmond, UNC Wilmington, George Mason, American, William & Mary, East Carolina, uh, the CIAA, predominantly all black schools, you know, Johnson C. Smith, Hampton University, mm-hmm. Norfolk State, Virginia Union, you know, um, those they had tournaments in the Hampton Coliseum, so I used to go and watch them in March and just fell in love with the game, man. And uh, I uh, I would say I retired from uh, all the white sports <laughs> that, my, uh, that my that my people said I should have played, and um, 
you know, I, I, I went full steam ahead with basketball at age uh, 13 and never looked back. Played for Boo Williams, um, ended up winning the state championship my junior year. We beat Grand Hills team. My senior year, uh, we beat Grand Hills team in the semifinals and then lost in the finals, so we're runner-up. Uh, mm-hmm. Got 30, 31 Division One scholarships, which is huge because I was six foot, and the mm-hmm. percentages of guys getting a scholarship at six foot is very, very low. I uh, was a two-year mm-hmm. starter in college, played at Duquesne. Then I transferred to UNC Wilmington, graduated there. Um, you know, so that's, uh, that's kind of my uh, – History of basketball, man. I, I just loved to play when I was younger. I was an extrovert. Um, there was distractions like there is today, but there wasn't the mm-hmm. technology, you know, the technology distractions that kids have. Thank God. I, I would rather have the distractions. <laughs> yeah, I would rather have the distractions um, back then than, than the kids have now, you know, with technology and the access of, of getting things so easily. Uh, you know, even in the hood, man, like, kids, you know, kids in the hood have phones and technology and that's just mm-hmm. something that just wasn't around when I was growing up. So you had to be creative, you know, you had to use your, uh, <laughs> you had to use your, uh, street smarts. You had to use your interpersonal skills. You had to use your, um, innovation, your savvy, you know, parents just kind of kicked you out the house and said, come back right. when you hear the, hear the dinner bell. And, <laughs> You know, I just remember being alone uh, or with my friends or with my brothers a lot. So we had to figure out our entertainment, you know, and then we right. had to we had we were responsible for our own safety. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, it was a different way to grow up back then. So, you know, in a nutshell, that's kind of how I grew up. Right. And I, it's funny that you say the distractions, because even not too long ago, I'm not that I'm not, uh, you know, I'm only 25. But even then, when I was growing up, we didn't, you know, we didn't have the, the smartphones. I didn't have a phone until I was in probably like middle school or high school. But like yeah. you said, we had to have our own creativity. We had to go outside. We had to, you know, figure out how to not be bored. Whereas Correct. we just have nowadays, we, you can just pull out your, your phone from your pocket. And, you know, people can't even sit for 30 seconds nowadays and not get bored. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely different today <laughs> than it was um, when I, even when I came up. And obviously when you came up. But um, but no, that's that's amazing that you had that passion for such a young age, and uh, just kind of like touched on that a little bit more. Um, what was it like, kind of like obviously like you earned you know thirty one, you know scholarships, which is amazing. You know what are what are some habits you had when you were younger? You know working on your game. You know when you were younger, what were some habits that you had early on that you feel like helped, uh, you know translate and help you become the person that you are today that started at a young age. Uh. Well, mentally, you know, I think that maybe this was God's gift or this was my DNA, you know, uh, maybe it had to do with my parents raising me, the environment we grew in, but I had grit and what mm. grit, you know, what grit is, is just toughness is the ability to, you know, uh, get knocked down, so to speak, and get right back up the ability not to quit until you've mm-hmm. uh, given everything you had to that goal. It's resilience. It's persistence. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, when I decided at age 12 to try to uh, be as good as I could at basketball, to stop playing, you know, tennis, swimming, soccer, baseball, um, and just do basketball all day, every day, um, I had to work at it. I wasn't good at it. Uh, I went from playing at the YMCA rec leagues 
right, an all white, um, all 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 white league to going to, you know, the the uh, all black league and, and going from a, you know, predominantly white middle school to now all black high school, you know. So there was a little bit of uh, I was different and I wasn't mm-hmm. as, I, I wasn't as good as I I was growing up playing basketball. So I had to go through pain. You know, I had to go through. Man, I'm not that good. Man, the coach doesn't give me a chance. Man, they don't pass me the ball. Why can't I play? Mm-hmm. You know, all the stuff that my players and parents come to me and say, man, my kid loses confidence. My, my kid's coach doesn't use them the right way. It, it, it's awesome because I, I, I walked through that, you know, in 1980s, you know, mm-hmm. 1990s. So uh, I had unbelievable eye of the tiger, man. The mm-hmm. edge, like I wasn't very good at a young age, but man, I was tough. You can knock me out, and then when I stop the bleeding, I, I'm coming back harder. I'm, I'm gonna learn how to fight, metaphorically, you know. Right. So I, I, uh, I had an unbelievable desire to to work on my game. I, I had charts, I had books, I had time management skills. I wake up, you know, at 12 years old, man. I wake up at 6 a.m. and do ball handling and do sit ups and push ups and run miles and run the beach and run hills and uh, do do the shooting drills and passing against the grocery store, you know, wall and, you know, <laughs> walking, uh, you know, 15, 20 minutes to go find a better game and going to an open gym where nobody knew me. And I was, uh, I was the only white dude in the gym and I would, you know, walk in and say, Hey, what's up fellas? Who's got next? And if I, <laughs> And if guys in the pickup, and this never happens now unless it's a pro, unless it's a really high-level guy, but this never, and if anybody is listening, please please uh, message me, and I'd love to have a conversation with you and meet you. But this never happens now, Xavier, and here's what I'm talking about. True story, man. As God is my witness. I would walk into a, a gym, a boys' club, and, you know, I'd play pickup. And I try to guard the best player in the gym. And if he didn't, if he didn't play me hard, or he or he didn't go hard, then I talk junk to him. <laughs> I talk, talk banner to him, and I'd be like, "What? What? You don't feel good today? What are you gonna let this white boy show you up?" But like I would get personal. I go right to his heart. I mean, you can't play. You stink. You probably, you know, you, you probably got cut from your team or whatever. And I, I would I would irritate them. I'd wake up the sleeping giant just so that I could have a hard workout that day, just so that I could get his best. Because right. I didn't know at the time. I just knew that, you know, I wanted to make practice hard, harder than the game. And now mm-hmm. I, I, I teach, you know, and, and I and I tell people and coaches that look to be to be the best. You got to bring your best and you got to play against the best while they're at their best. Mm. And so you can go play against the best players, but if they're not going hard, you know, you're really not getting as much as you can out of them. You'll get some, but man, if you get, if you get an average player that's, that plays angry and competitive and wants to come right at you, you're going to get something out of that. And so, man, they would play physical. Sometimes they would play dirty. And, man, I loved it. I loved it because I knew I needed that because high school games were near as tough as, as those pickup games <laughs> with the adults. 
you know, especially me talking junk. Because, I mean, I, they, they could have, a few times we got in fights, you mm-hmm. know, a few times we got in fights. And, and so it, but again, you can't condone that nowadays. Uh, mm-hmm. When I tell, when I tell parents that they, they look at me, but they don't. Deep down, they're like, "Man, I ain't taking my son to the hood. I ain't taking my daughter right. <laughs> to a gym full of." And I and I get it. Like, I, it's a different, but um, that's something that if my two boys want to do, I'm gonna find a way to kind of manipulate and create, you know, that atmosphere of um, competitiveness and, you know, truly getting yourself out of out of a comfort zone, but. You know, I did a lot of uh, work individually on my game, uh, and it was broken up into the morning skills, the afternoon, some kind of conditioning, lifting weights, and then the evening pickup games or one-on-one. And that was my routine, man. During the offseason, I told Boo, uh, that, look, I'm only going to play in two tournaments because back then he had two teams, you know, the A team and the B team, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And I-, I was fortunate enough to make the A team and, I just told him, look, I'm not and, – and, and even back then it was starting to become, you know, seven, nine, ten tournaments during the summer. And I just said, boo, look, I'm going to work on my game. I just need two. I'm going to get myself ready. And, you know, I want to go to the two top tournaments that have the most college scouts. And so I went to all the practices, but some of the, some of the tournaments I didn't go to because I was staying home working on my game. Or I went to a basketball camp, which back then, like a five-star or – a Carolina basketball school or Old Dominion, mm-hmm. you know, basketball camp. They actually taught fundamentals for 70% of the camp instead of 70% of the camp of the game. So that right. was kind of my that was kind of my routine, and, and man, it worked. It, it worked then, and it, it will work now. But it's not the culture now, and so many parents and players just because it's popular, right? They think it's they think it's correct, and that's not always true. Right, absolutely. And uh, I, I want to touch on uh, I want to touch on a little bit, just talking about you know you going through that kind of that environment that you created for yourself. But but no, like I love the fact that you talked about one, you were consistent, like you had a routine. It wasn't something that you did, you know, when you felt like it, you know, when you felt good. It was always something that you know what this is the schedule that I laid out for myself, and this is what I'm going to stick to you know, repeatedly uh, until we hit this long-term goal. And um, and even with that, you, you know, you scaled yourself at such a young age that even I think players going into the NBA that they're still learning, you know, coming out of college. And unless they get put in that environment of like a one and done, they're put in an environment where they're scheduled and regimented. Um, I think that's so important, you know, for uh, like developing long-term goals because, you know, I think too often a lot of people are, you know, anyone like players or even coaches or, you know, whoever they're too, they're satisfied with half measures. And what that means is that they don't necessarily make decisions. Like they kind of make preferences. Okay. It'd be nice to be one of the best teams. It'd be nice to be one of the best players, but they don't want to invest what it actually costs to be one of those best players. So, um, you know, I love the fact that you said that, but talking about that environment that you got created for yourself, uh, you know, going to, to those uh, those rec leagues and, and, and talking junk, trying try to rile up the players to get some of the best competition. Um, why do you feel like today, if you want to touch on that, like, why do you feel like as today, like that's kind of that, that people shy away from that, that players shy away from that, that that, that gritty that gritty environment. Uh, fear, 
uh, the two most common human emotions that we all feel as human beings and, and, and kids really maximize it because to be a kid, you know, to be an adolescent, to be between the ages of, you know, 12 to 25 means, you know, you're at the height of your stupidity, you know, and it's, and it's mm. their nature, you know, just like it's a nature for a dog to go outside and bark at a cat, you know, it's a kid's nature to be ignorant, to be scared, to be lazy, to be inconsistent, you know, um, to be uh, cool, to be soft, to be silent, to be selfish. Like, you know, people are, are growing. It, it's, it's, that's why it's called adolescence. Um, mm-hmm. uh, very true prodigies uh, are, 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 are professional, are uh, talented at that, at, that, at that age. And so they need mentors, they need parenting, they need discipline. But, you know, we all, we all face fear and laziness. And so kids uh, are afraid of pain. You know, and mm. the way adults and coaches have have um, embraced kids make, making mistakes and feeling pain uh, is different. You know, we, we, we've changed. Uh, the culture has changed. Back then, you know, in the 70s and 80s, I got the belt. I got whipped <laughs> with the belt. And so with kids now, if you whip them with the belt, they can go and, and – Call child services, and that's real. And, 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 and mm-hmm. there's some drama and, 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 and uh, legislation there. So, but I, I think kids are afraid of confrontation. That's why they don't do that. They're afraid of making mistakes. They don't know how to, they've never been taught how to handle pain. They don't know how to embrace pain. Uh, Instagram and social media has taught them that everything needs to be perfect. You know, because of Photoshop and likes and views. And so people, people would rather be liked than learn something. People would, would, would rather be loved than lose. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not a psychologist. I just know I train uh, over 10,000 players and coaches a year. been doing that for about a decade. And it's, mm-hmm. just, it's just what I see. It's just what I know. I have three kids now, so I know that. They don't, you know, at a young age, and they didn't learn this. This is stuff that we're born with. You know, we're bent. We're born with iniquities. We're born with sin. That's just the way we are. When we're born, we have to teach ourselves how to do good. Now, good is inside of us. There's a lot of instinctive good, but there's also bad. You know, you can call it Mm -hmm. 50-50 or whatever. So we have to teach ourselves how to embrace pain. And, and, and And the great ones I've been around, they focus on the payoff. Right, what they're going to get if they can get through the pain, what they're going to receive if they can get through the pain. The payoff focus is bigger than the pain focus. So, um, I mean, I, tr- I tried to be soft when I was younger, and, and my dad wasn't was old school. My grandparents were Marines. So, I mean, mm-hmm. enough said. Uh, I, I, you know, my, my mom. I never forget. I was second grade, and uh, my mom um, had this African American. Um, family babysit me and the brother and the sister in that family w- would walk me home every day and I remember uh, about two or three weeks I guess when I was doing this uh, man they jumped me they beat me up I'm gonna say something. <laughs> and they, so I remember never forget I got a butt whipping in the hood when I was in second grade and and uh, and as I as I told you Xavier I would go into the hood at, at, at 12, 11, the only white dude, talk junk and say, let's play again. You scared? 
you know, mm-hmm. your your mama, man, your mama's scared. You know, you, you know how yeah. it was, man. You start to, I might have cursed at him a little bit, and and I'd get beat up. I'd get ball thrown at me. You know, somebody slapped me upside the head, foul me hard, uh, call call me honk. You know, I mean, call me slow. You slow me. Go 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 play tennis, man. This ain't getting. You know, just yeah. real personal stuff. And I don't know, man. I just kept coming back. So to me, I'm okay with confrontation because I really think if kids can confront uh, adversity. It shows them who they are and they'll like it because all mm-hmm. of us have a king inside of us, man. All of us, we know all of us can be, you know, can be born for greatness. It's just some of us get distracted. Some of us get into fear. Some of us get into laziness and we develop just bad, bad habits. Sometimes those habits turn into addictions, you know, and sometimes those habits create legacies for us that change our lives and our communities. But it all comes down to these kids, they have a hard time dealing with pain, dealing with mistakes. And it makes our job as coaches harder, but it's real. And so we meet, we got to meet them where they're at and we got to find solutions holistically. What I mean is physical, mental, emotional, social, spiritual. If you coach a kid and you really want to change his life, you got to study and you got to, you got to coach in those five pillars. Right. Absolutely. No, I love the fact that you even talked about, you know, how important it is to, to have that understanding that it's in every, it's in all of us, right? It's not just some yeah. something that's meant for those who are destined or things like that. It's literally in all of us to be great, to be kings and queens, like you said. Um, it's just you know, like confronting that that conflict, you know, that that adversity, like having that resiliency to say or uh, to go through something and then bounce back. You know, I think that's what's missing in today's, like you said, in today's game, like players are just kind of coddled and they shy away from it and nowadays we don't really have anyone pushing us into those situations so we can grow from and learn from those things but um i for sure 100 percent agree with everything you said i love the fact that you said all that and um you know you just kept it real because it's the truth um yeah yeah. man i mean (laughs) everybody says keep it real keep it real but then when somebody's real with you they don't like it it's a problem (laughs) and and for me um you know, I, I always gotta, I always gotta uh, work on not being brash, not being abrasive, uh, respectful. You know, like yeah, like mm-hmm. yesterday, man, my son, uh, I was picking up my son from school uh, and my daughter. They're ten and ten and six, and my little three-year-old likes to ride his little jeep, little motorized jeep over there. So this, this big third grader was pushing on him, and the moms <laughs> was, you know, all the moms were sitting there right there, and and. And we're pushing on him and trying to get his Jeep. And he started crying. And so I went over there and said, man, who is this kid right here, man? Because I'm about to give him a, you know, I'm about to, about to be his dad. You know, and I said it like that because I'm like, these moms, his mom was sitting right there. I don't know which mom it was. And mm-hmm. they were like, well, that's my kid. I said, well, can you move your kid, please? You know, and she, and she was like, yeah, okay. And I'm like, you know, I could have said it a lot more graceful. And so I was like, man, I, I, that didn't come. You know, I was mean, but. You know, I, I get fired up, man. I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not a moral avenger because I'm not perfect. But I, I, I tell you what, if I mess up, I'm the first one to say, man, my bad, will you forgive me? Like that's, and I always want people to treat me the way I treat them. But, again, res- respect is something you decide ahead of time. And uh, I always, you know, somebody can be real and respectful. So the next time somebody is real with you, 
you know, listen to them if they're respectful because they, they they can say it with a tone of voice, they can say it with passion, they can say it with angry. They they might even say it with some some f bombs, but if if it they're if it's real, then and it's respectful then, you know, you got to honor that. And I guarantee it can change your life because everybody has been real with me as a coach or a mentor has changed my life. And I always tell coaches and players, like, you know, just playing the truth, living the truth, be the best version of yourself because the truth fears no question. Uh, Mom asked me the other day, hey, hey, you know, no, an NBA coach, ex-NBA coach training a kid. And he said, hey, um, you know, this girl gets nervous in front of 10,000 people when she plays overseas. What do I do? I'm like, man, she got nothing to worry about if she trusts her work. All she got to do is trust her work. I mean, if she's putting in the time, man, there's no fear because you've done everything you can do, so it's show and tell time. Right. So, you know, you know, the truth, fear is no question. That's Mark Twain. And that means you've got nothing to be afraid of if, if you prepare yourself mentally and physically to go to, go to battle. Right. Everything earned, man. You got to earn that confidence. You got to earn your keep. You got to earn everything. I think a lot of times nowadays we get so caught up in, like you said, our phones and, and just social media. We get these instant likes that we don't actually earn anything nowadays because everything comes so instantaneous. So everything's microwave. And it's like that Correct. saying, like, good, good food cooks slow. I think nowadays right. we're just we're just so used to that. We're not even focusing on those slow grind. So, no, I, I agree 100 percent. So. Right. Uh, to transition more into to skills training. So, like I said, like I don't want to give away any sauce that you don't want to give away. I don't want to give away any secrets. But uh, when it comes to player development, um, I've talked to some coaches, I've talked to some some trainers, and there seems to be like a missing link when it comes to player development that you know not every player is translating their skills into game situations. So, what do you feel like are some things that are missing in training that are not allowing players? to translate their skills to the game of basketball? Well, first off, there is no secret sauce. <laughs> I mean, there is no, <laughs> there is no secrets. You know, this is not a, uh, a scientific formula for uh, rib sauce that, you know, we're trying to sell to Applebee's. <laughs> basketball is, um, is a very simple game. And uh, a drill or a teaching method that I use uh, nobody can teach it like me, nor you. If I saw you do a, a, a mm-hmm. drill or, you know, some kind of a teaching skill and I tried to go do it like you did, it's, it's going to be different. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing you can duplicate is this game is products, is, you know, resources, a, a cone, a tennis ball, a paddle, mm-hmm. you know, uh, stuff like that can be duplicated. But again, that's business. That's not basketball. That's 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 the uh, science project stuff that you know some coaches use on the basketball court. Um, but what's missing nowadays, you know, what physically, Xavier, or mentally? Uh, let's do both. Man. Let's go with physical, physical at first, and then we can dive into the mental. Physically, so are you talking about grassroots players, you know, high school and below, or or uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go professional players, co- college we'll go. And, and above. So we'll go with grassroots, like just kind of youth like development, because we have a lot of, I believe, trainers that'll kind of come in and just, you know, like not even disrespecting them, but be, maybe give them a, a training session. But maybe it's not, it's just not allowing the youth, like high, like you know, middle school or even high school players translate their game to the sport, to the actual game. Um, and there's something that's missing there. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good coaches out there, a lot of good players, but the ones that struggle, uh, the players don't have an aptitude to learn. I mean, and the mm. ability to learn at a high level. When they come to the court, you know, it's like PE, and this comes from PE. I got a master's in kinesiology and a undergrad in math and physical education. So I, I went to school to study this stuff. I have a passion for it. A lot mm-hmm. of PE, a lot of PE teachers in school nowadays don't treat physical education as a course, and it and it is. It's motor development. It, it's teaching you how to have lifelong wellness, so your lazy butt don't get in the hospital, and your lazy <laughs> butt doesn't cu- cause other people in the world to pay for your, you know, health problems. Because right now my health insurance is at an all time high, because mm. most of the people in the United States don't take care of themselves. So now, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're, we're in a system where I got to pay for your health hazards. But anyway, that's, that's, a, that's a CNN podcast. Um, <laughs> my, my point is, you know, that mentality comes to the basketball court. These kids come to the court and they turn their brain off. So, you know, they're, they're not respecting that, man, I can really learn here in the next hour. So they don't, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, man. They don't focus on, because you'll get straight A students, boys and girls, that come to the game I mean, come to practice and you show them something like a side pick and roll and they can't, they don't know how to make reads. And so I would say the biggest, you know, weakness is kids don't know how to translate decision-making from the uh, skill workout to the court, you know, on offense, on defense. And a lot of it has to do with a lot of coaches don't know how to teach that. So uh, I call it repetitional drills. You know, you obviously you first, you got to get the kids to, learn how to shoot, learn how to catch, learn how to dribble, learn how to drive, learn how to pivot, mm-hmm. all the individual skills. So you do the drills repetitionally, the robot drills. It's just the same drill, no decision-making, go to this cone, cross over, pull up at this spot, shot, good, do it again, catch, shoot, right. catch, jab, like I call it robot or repetitional drills. What's lacking and what I've tried to do the last five years and it's really been received well is now decision-making drills. Now you got to put kids in one on one, two on o, two on two, three on o, three on three, three on two, uh, you know, situations. So if you only have two or three kids in a workout, well, that's three on o drills, and you're like, mm-hmm. well, they have no defense to play against. Man, I'm telling you, you know, if if you study as a coach and you have the competency uh, to to know what's going on, you can put a kid in an action and say, all right, we're going to uh, reverse the ball on the fourth pass. We're going to drive and kick, baseline drive, baseline drift. Next time, we're going to do the same thing, except on the last pass, shot fake. Now we get a double penetration. Hey, we're going to go uh, a zoom action here where we're going to flare, and then the guy that flares go screen the, the ball. Like, you know, and it's called basketball uh, memorization. They got to do mm-hmm. three actions in a row, and they got to hit three shots in a row all three players or all two players or, hey, I'm a close out to you. If I close out soft, you shoot it. If I close out hard, go right. If I close out hard, go left. If I close out and I'm on you, use a jab. If, if you go off the dribble and I'm touching you, step back. Let's go. So now you're, right. you're working on, you know, playing off the closeout. Like kids can't do that. And they and if they do that, they can't make two, three shots in a row. Well, they're, right. they're, so, th- so there's your drills for the next two years. I mean, like teaching kids. So coaches don't have the competency to teach kids decision making. And as far as individual drills, um, individual skills, you know, the lack of consistent shooting, 
you know, I, I, it's still rampant all over the country. Um, and the lack of passing the ball on time, on target, I call it dropping dimes on time. Like kids can't, <laughs> yeah, kids can't place the ball in a shooter's, in a player's triple threat position going full speed or going game speed. And then the mm-hmm. third l- lack of skill is, um, you know, footwork, you know, pivoting, mm-hmm. pivoting uh, off a catch, pivoting off a finish, uh, you know, uh, stopping one, two step, jump stop, uh, getting open without the ball where you have to use your feet, changing speeds, which it, to me is footwork, you know, changing right. speeds off a cut, changing speeds off a, you know, screen. So that, you know, if, if, as, as a trainer, I always would work on the, I mean, yeah, you, you draw them in with the ball handling. I, 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 I could really handle a rock uh, and I can mm-hmm. still ha- handle the rock. Uh, I mean, for years, right. People would call me the dribble guy. And so I kind of, <laughs> you know, hated that in the sense of, man, you know, that's all people know me for is my handle. But now they, they rarely ever say that, you know, if they see mm-hmm. me. Uh, maybe because my handles are getting slower on 47 <laughs> or, <laughs> or, you know, I just bring so much more to the table other than just handling the ball, but you draw them in with the handle. Cause that's what people want to work on is dribbling and moves. But then mm-hmm. once you draw them in, you might work on 15 minutes of the workout, but you convince the player, look, you need to learn how to move without the ball. Cause you're only going to have 10 dribbles in the game. Right. But mm. you're going to have a lot of opportunities to, uh, you know, have occupational movement off the ball in your offense, offensive rebounds coming off screens, um, you know, setting screens. So, you, just, you know, but basically, man, a lot of these coaches aren't teaching kids the game um, or emphasizing the game. And these, mm-hmm. these kids really don't understand how to play the game. And it, it, it boggles me because they have more coaches coaching them than they've ever had before. Right. They're, pl- they're playing more games than they ever have before. So either one, they're not listening because they're so right. Zombied out from, right. from, from life. <laughs> and, <laughs> and two, and two, these coaches really don't know how to coach. And may, maybe that's why I'm in, in business and doing well in my <laughs> business. And a lot of other coaches are just trying to, uh, you know, get by and struggle. But I, I, I mean, if, if you're a, if you do this as a business, Right. And you know the game and you bring mm-hmm. the holistic values. I mean, you're going to kill it, man. It's a six figure business. You change your life, you change your family's life. And so but it's hard. You know, it's hard because kids don't want to work out for free and kids um, would rather be entertained and educated and play in a game than a workout. But, uh, you know, that, that's where passion comes in, man. you got to have an unbreakable passion to change the game and change people's lives. And if more, you know, so if we have more coaches that had that kind of spirit and attitude and, and, and players that did a little bit better job listening. Um, you know, I, I think, you, you know, you see more, more success at the grassroots level, but there are some, there are some mm-hmm. that really do that. And the ones that do that are the ones that get the most out of it. Right. Absolutely. And I love the fact that you even went into, you know, like the, the very simple things that nobody really takes a second thought of is, you know, getting the ball, the right place at the right time, like you said, dropping dimes, and then even like the footwork. Kobe Bryant talks about that like constantly. They always ask, like, you know, what's, what's you know, what's things separated, and they, what what do you work on with your uh, with your team? And he says footwork, footwork, footwork. Um, 
But no, man, I think I think I, I think you hit the nail on the head for sure when it comes to like decision making. Because even you know, I see like oh, okay, like you see the IG, you see like the ten dribble combos, and I'm like, okay, he's repping he's repping those out here, she's repping those out. But you gotta be like you said, make decisions out of those because basketball is dynamic, it's chaotic. There's a thousand different things going on at one time, and if you can't make the right choice, the right read at the right time to get the ball at the right place at the right time, then it's you did all those those scribbles for nothing. You didn't go anywhere, or you know you're just gonna be ro- be a robot and you're not gonna be able to finish the play. But I just think that's one thing that I've always seen is that like I see players that'll just work out every single day, work out every single day, but something's just not translating. And I I also think that comes from like you said like you said just this this uh this uh this age where we're just like so focused on our phones that it kills our focus in practice, right? Like we're not able to actually sit there and focus for an extended period of time and actually absorb what's going on. So, I mean, there's, I think there's a bunch of stuff that, that goes on with that, but no, I love what you said. And even when it comes to the passion on the players end, it's like, you know, you got to have the passion to actually sit down and, and try to learn. Um, I definitely think that's, that's what was missing as far as like the grassroots and, and the youth level. Cause like they're the ones that are going to be taking these scholarship play, these uh, positions, these NBA positions. So I always feel like it, it starts there before we can even, you know, go any farther with that. Yeah, Xavier, and, and you brought up, a, a, you, you sparked a thought. Look, all, all, all these elite players, the top 100 ESPN players, mm-hmm. like they don't need workouts. They don't need skill trainers to get to college. Mm-hmm. Like their, their, their talent is going to take them. Do they need extra coaching and work on their game? 100% because once they once they get to college, that's where they really face reality. That's where they face their giant. That's where they face, you know, Clubber Lang, so to speak. I, I mm-hmm. love Rocky because I, I, <laughs> uh, I made the, the Rocky series changed my life. But anyway, uh, and Creed, I mean, God, Creed is, is awesome for the day. That's story. a great movie. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. And, and they got, they're coming out, I think, with the Creed 3. He's going to fight Clubber Lang's son. So oh. I love it. But, you know, all, all the – if you're not ranked in the top 100, like you, you, you need the bread of life, so to speak, workouts, basketball journal, education, studying. Like you and I, we work out kids that uh, most of the kids that we train and, and are in front of aren't ranked, aren't elite. Like they, they're mm-hmm. trying to trying to get that edge, and so their 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 journey working out by themselves, as I talked about earlier is their oxygen, man. If they don't do that, there's no chance they're going to achieve their basketball goals, getting a scholarship, being elite, maybe one day playing pro. So they, mm-hmm. they have to do that, whatever it takes. Like, and, and people say, again, I just can't afford you. Well, how important is it to you? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so, you know, I, which, what you put in is what you're going to get out. You reap what you sow. You invest uh, for the return, the you go through the financial pain of you know what I'm gonna sell my Jordans, I'm gonna put my phone on eBay, I'm gonna get three, mm-hmm. four, five hundred, five hundred bucks. Again, and here's here's what I did, man. You charge one fifty an hour locally. All I can afford is fifty an hour. Can you can you help me out? I sold my phone, I sold my shoes. I'm, I got a paper route, so to speak. You know, uh, <laughs> I know that's not a you know, job anymore, but you know. <laughs> I'm, wor- I'm working at Subway. Can you can you train me for two months, man? If, if somebody would do that to me, 
no question. I train them. Like, but they, mm -hmm. you know, kids are afraid of truth. They don't want to live in the truth. They're afraid of confrontation. They're afraid of looking silly. They're, they're, they're cool, not competitive, right? They're shy, mm -hmm. you know, and, 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 and introverted. So that's, that's just, but that's how I'm going to raise my kids. That's what needs to be done. You find a solution. You got to be a can-do guy, a can-do girl, you know, whatever it takes. And uh, the, these kids, man, don't understand that, you know, the ones that aren't ranked, they, they have to live in the gym. They have to get into the journey of preparation with guys like you and guys like me. Uh, it just boggles my mind how they think, like you said at the beginning of the conversation, they can just say it, but they don't <laughs> do it. You know, they put it on their Instagram like they're going to be the next LeBron James, but you track their steps every day and they're hanging at the mall or hanging on their phone or playing right. Fortnite, you know, more than they're playing one-on-one. <laughs> -on -one. It's really crazy because, you, you know, you, you can't you, you can't hide from habits. Mm. You know, every every day you wake up, you got every, we all have it. We got two choices, to work hard or not to work hard. That's it. Nobody, everybody has that same choice. Kobe Bryant now getting up. He's probably up right now. And God bless yeah. you, Xavier. People listen to this. Xavier's on the West Coast. Dude uh, woke up at, at probably 2.30 a.m. this morning to get on a podcast with me at 3.15. I'm on the East Coast. Crazy schedule. I was, I, I, this is the only time I can really do stuff. And, man, um, hats off to you because you, you create habits of excellence, and that's what you do. You get up, you make a short-term goal that day. You make a choice to grind. And uh, I forget where I got it. Maybe LeBron said this at his camp uh, that I worked for many years, but he – Somebody said greatness resides in nonstop determination. And that, that's all kids need, man, is grind. What, what's, I'm grinding. What, what is it? Greatness resides in nonstop determination. That means every day, Monday through Friday, because you got to take two days off a week. You're getting up and you're working on your game. You're working on your school. You're working on your, your people skills, man. You know what I mean? All right. Right, one hundred percent. I like that. I gotta take that, man. <laughs> I don't know where you yeah. came from, but I, I'm to, I stole that. But, yeah, I read. But, uh, I read a lot of books, man. I can't remember where I got it, but I, you know, I remember what I read. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It don't. It don't matter where it came from, as long as you got it right. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, people. You know, the cavemen were probably saying stuff like that. You know, people want to say, <laughs> uh, I, mean, I mean, very little things are original. You know, what I mean, very few right. things are original. We, this world's been, you know billions of years old so hey man get over it man it doesn't matter who said it long as you use it you know <laughs> so anything i say on this podcast x you ain't got to give me credit just go use it and make the game better you know <laughs> i got you man so uh you know a couple few more questions i know you got a crazy schedule i'm not trying to keep you all day but uh man one thing i want to talk time. about it, uh one thing yeah. i really want to talk about was uh was in-season training because uh athletes will come to me and they'll talk to me um as far as like physically, like, oh, you know, what should I be doing, you know, in season, like as far as lifting weights, things like that, my mobility. And, um, you know, I always kind of, you know, wondered aloud in my head, you know, was, you know, how often should you should players be training in season, especially with AAU going on? Like now, like they have like year round trainers and you hear all about load management and your opinion, yeah. how like how often should tr players be training in season as far as like their skills? And and if they are training, like how intense should it be? Should it be, you know, you know, short and effective, like just kind of 30 minutes? Should it be, you know, a little bit longer? Like, you know, what are your takeaways? Like, what are your thoughts on that? 
That's a great question. I'm probably the worst person to ask that because as a player, <laughs> you know, I had seven stress fractures. Mm. And most of, them, most of them were on my navicular bone. And it was, mm. it was because of stress. I worked out all the time. I didn't take days off. I worked out outside on the cement, on the blacktop. Uh, I mean, if you think about this, X, I used to do the um, jump, uh, what is it called, the, the, the jump soles? Oh, jump soles, yeah. <laughs> jump soles, right, with, the, with the, uh, the calf, you know, and the foot elevated. Yeah. You're like, you're like, you're, you're like a Tyrannosaurus Rex, man. You were walking on that. And, man, I, I, would, I would do that outside on the, on the asphalt, man. Like, I would mm-hmm. do much. I mean, it was nuts. And so yeah. I, I would tell kids, number one, when you work out, try to work out on soft surfaces. When you, you know, obviously stretch and, and, and drink your hydration and eat right and all that. But recovery, like even now, I'm, I'm getting my, my 10-year-old daughter after volleyball. always have to, I got a reminder. But hey, ice your knees, ice your knees, ice your joints. We have a pool in our backyard and then right next to it, a hot tub. So even in Florida, from like November to the end of February, man, the pool is real cold. So, you know, we jump in the pool, a little cold tub. And then jump in the hot tub, cold tub. We have, you know, <laughs> I trash, like it. Yeah, we have trash cans. We'll fill up with uh, ice. So you know, ice baths, ice, all that. But as far as you know, during the season, you got to listen to your body. You know, I would say maybe get a forty-five minute hard workout before practice, a light shooting workout or weights after, um, if you can. You know, definitely off season you can do this, but if you can during during the season. Take two days off a week where you do nothing, just recovery, you know, if, if the coach allows you. But definitely one day off a week, you got to listen to your body. Even going in and shooting free throws, I mean, I just I wouldn't do that, man. I'd just get away from basketball because you get tired of it uh, during, mm. the, during the off season. Once basketball ends, I mean, I know it's hard, but you got to take one month off, man. Take 32 days, don't do nothing. You know, maybe walk briskly or ride the bike, but just don't do anything. And then, uh, you know, during the off season, work out five days a week, three, four hours a day, uh, maybe five hours, and then take take two days off. Don't do nothing. And after about a month of your off season, you know, maybe take three, four days off. But you got to listen to your body. Uh, I'm not an expert in all that. This is just Mm -hmm. based on uh, common sense. And right. uh, what I what I finally started to do once I got a little educated because we didn't we didn't have recovery education when, it, when we had ice and theragesic you know what that is right <laughs> that, that's all we have I mean you get an injury X ray ice theragesic like there was no uh, technology that we have today there was no um, insoles there was no um, orthotics that you wear in your shoe and so since I've gotten orthotics. And I got a whole new body. It's amazing what orthotics does. And if I'd have had mm-hmm. orthotics, I wouldn't have had so many uh, stress fractures. So, you know, with technology now and, and, and resources, man, these kids can really push their body to a place where they've never been. But yeah, but you said it, man. They they got to take days off. They got to take time off. And during the season, you know, I know you can still lift. Uh, a lot of players still lift. But um, I, I definitely wouldn't. Um, uh, you know, wouldn't overuse my body. I take those days off. But absolutely, and I I think the the biggest thing, well, the funny thing is too, like you talk about jump soles, like 
I used the, uh, I can't remember the name of it. It was like the knockoff version of the Jump Souls. It wasn't called Jump yeah. Souls. It was the same thing. But uh, it was it was funny. Like, you walk around, like, on your, like, you're basically walking around, like, doing calf raises. But, uh, but yeah, man, yeah. I did the same thing. And, um, you know, I think that's kind of, you know, what what happened with me as far as, like, my knees and, and things like that. Like, it just uh, playing on, not, not taking days off, playing on the concrete, the black top. Like, didn't really understand recovery, like, how it is, you know, as big as it is now. Um, I just think that I could probably like maybe extended my career a little bit more uh, yeah. instead of just, you know, kind of like ending it, you know, at the age of 21, 22. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's one thing I talk about with a lot of players is that you got to take, you know, take, take days off, like, especially in season. I mean, the sooner you can start your recovery process, then the more you can kind of get out of the days that you got to perform it. And, um, exactly. you know, especially, like, after a game ends, that's when recovery starts. It doesn't start, you know, the next day, like, an off day. Like, it starts immediately. Like, LeBron James spends over a million dollars, like, over a million dollars on his body. Correct. And that, yeah, exactly. So, that comes with, obviously, preparation. But in season, it's just about recovery. Who can recover the fastest? Who can get back to being 100% for the next game? Uh, so, that's one thing I always try to tell players. Like, hey, look, man, it's cool that you want to grind. I love that. But we, it's like, we want to be, do we want to grind or do you want to be, you know, grind and be effective? And right. um, so it's, it's just like, you know, kind of getting that information out there. And, um, but yeah, man, like, I agree, man. I think those, those jump souls messed me up. <laughs> yeah, they, they did. They definitely did, man. They definitely <laughs> did. Yeah. So uh, we talked a little bit about like, you know, get, get players, getting notepads, taking notes and stuff like that. So uh, when it comes to, like, watching film, like, this is a big thing with, you know, a lot of, like, skills trainers and uh, and even just coaches and stuff like that. Uh, when it comes to watching film, uh, what exactly do you – what exactly would you uh, help a player look for when they're breaking down their own game? Like, maybe, you know, should they be watching themselves? Should they be watching, you know, uh, like, key situations in there? Are you having them kind of break down situations, like, decision-making? Um, what, are, what are some kind of, like – key concepts that, that you have whenever you're having a player go through film or whenever you're looking through film that players can kind of take from and coaches kind of take from from you? Um, well, you know, first of all, whatever you're looking at, whether it's, uh, you know, defense or offense, you make, you make sure they're doing it efficient. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're holding their screen or they're spaced out the right way. You know, you, you, take, you take the goal of whatever you're looking at uh, decision making. Hey, you should have gone here instead of there. Hey, look at your follow through. You didn't hold it long enough. Whatever the skill is, just make sure they're doing it right. I mean, it's, it's no really no different than training. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a coach, you're a mirror. You praise right, <laughs> you correct wrong. Mm-hmm. You have, you know, you, you you give the player a snapshot, a Polaroid picture, so to speak, right? An, an, an Instagram photo of without the Photoshop of what he just did, you know, of what he just did. And the great thing about film is you can rewind, you can rewind, you can rewind, you can pause. And, and the film is great because you got four other players. So you, you show the player uh, how to play with his teammates on both ends of the floor. So as a coach, number one, you got to know the game, man. I mean, that's great that you got a million followers on Instagram because you can dribble too much and you can, you know, put all these neat edits. But, I mean, if you want to expand – now, if that's all you do, 
that's great. But if you if you really call yourself a coach and you want to really help the kids game, you know, you got to learn how to teach him how to play with his teammates and how to run his coach's system. And that's the other thing with film watching. You better know the coach's system, you know, mm-hmm. uh, if, if they're running a horn set. I mean, there's 15 different things you can do on a horn. So you got you got to know the action on offense or defense that the kid is doing. So that that's that's something that as a coach you got to be educated about. And and then you got to know the coach's role. You might he might be shooting open shots with and you're like, "Hey, good shot, man. You're open." But the coach is on the sideline saying, "We don't want you to take that shot. We want you to get yeah. the ball to James, you know, we want you to get the ball to James Harden, you know, Austin Rivers. I know you're open. There's a reason. So you got to, you know, when you're watching film, you got to really understand the kid's role with his team and really define the action that, that he that you're evaluating. You know, Kobe Bryant details, right? You got to mm-hmm. really hone in on what what he's doing and the details of that action. And then, you know, retainment. You, you talk for you a film session for an hour. Well, what what did that player get out of it? Was he taking notes? You know, I always have mm-hmm. my guys when I when I watch film, they got to take notes. I want to see your basketball journal. If you don't have a basketball journal, then make it up today. You get, write it on your hand. But I will not, and this is coaches too. I get my pet peeve is you, you come to me for advice. You ask me to come to dinner with you and you want to learn and you have no notebook. And I'm talking to Xavier. I got, I mentor grown men right now. Like I had a 49 year old in here a couple uh, months ago and the first meeting we had, he had no notebook. I'm like, well, what? I mean, this, this ain't no, you know, this, this, ain't, this ain't no uh, Facebook media. I don't, you know, we're not friends. We can be friendly, but, yeah. you, you know, uh, you, 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 you're taking my time. I'm taking your money. That's two valuable resources right there, bro. You, you got to get some out of it. I, I, I don't, I don't want to just sit here and tell you stories and we have a good time. I do that with my friends. We're, we're colleagues. If we become friends, that's great. But I'm here to take your mind and body to another place. So where's your notebook? And people, right. people are, are caught off guard. What do you mean? I can remember. I'm like, man, research, research, scientists, a lot smarter than us. They've done hours and hours in labs. Research says people forget 93% of what they hear unless they <laughs> write it unless they write it down and state. Now you and you might be smarter than me. So for you, you might forget 50% Xavier, but, you, <laughs> but, if, but if you don't write down, if you don't write down what you and like church, like I go to church, I, I'll get filled by the spirit and I go there for many reasons. But one reason I go to church is, man, I want to hear what God is saying through the, through, through my spiritual leader. And I look around and nobody, very few people take notes in in church or they go they go hear a, a a a speech and it's like that's that's a whole nother uh podcast you should do it's called the ability to learn note taking it's one of the most important skills for a leader for a coach mm-hmm. is if you're talking to somebody and you hear something that's impactful you got to find a way to put that in your mindset man you got to find a way to put that in your spirit because words are the bridge to success Words bring life and death. The tongue can bring life and death. If you don't believe me, just study the uh, the drama between Daryl Morey and China right now. Because of his <laughs> 12 words, people lost billions of dollars. I lost 
a whole month's worth of, of work in China because of Daryl Morey, some guy I've only talked to on the phone in an interview because I got interviewed by the Rockets 2007 one time. And so, like, words change lives. And so, you know, if you're going to – if a player is going to come up to me and, and if we're going to do a film session, he's got to write down the lessons. Then he's got to go study. And then he's got to go back to the film and look at his book and correlate the two. Any great coach gives players a playbook. Every coach, bad coaches, good coaches I had, we all had a playbook. And, they, and they, sometimes they gave it to us, sometimes they didn't. But to me, if you come to my workout, I'm taking notes for you or I'm giving you my notes. That's why I, I created so many videos because – I don't want to just educate you and, and make you feel good. I want to impart knowledge and wisdom in you so that you, you, you have success and then you pass it on. What I say, you can make it better. What I do, you can teach it better. But it's, it's the transfer of knowledge that is missing right, in our industry of skilled trainers. It boggles my mind, maybe because I grew up you know, uh, having parents as teachers and I have a master's and I went to college, so I embrace education. Everybody doesn't have mm -hmm. to go to college, right, to be successful. But check this out, Xavier. To be successful, everybody's got to get an education. You know what I mean? Right. They call it street education. Call it life education. Yeah, get some like, type of mean, education. You know, yeah, man. You don't have to have the degree, but you gotta you gotta learn. You gotta get information in you. You gotta have. You gotta be like you're very well spoken. And, and I've done some podcasts with some people that, man, are you serious? But you're very, you're very well spoken, man. You're very professional, and you got to be able to enunciate and speak and get your point of view across because it's the spirit, right, that gives life. It's words that start our actions. And um, film watching is huge, but it's it's wasted if you don't take notes. Right, and I, I love the fact that you even go into well. One, thank you for the compliment, man. I appreciate it, but. Uh... Yeah. Just talking just talking about like uh learning, man. I just feel like when it comes to notes, like I just feel like that's that's so underrated. I thought I was just that was just me. I thought it was just a habit I had. Cause I'll wake up in the morning, I'll listen to like uh I'll do like I call it self development time where I'll just listen to yes. podcasts, I'll read a book, but I write down what I learned. Like if it's yeah. something like you said that's impactful, like I wanna write that I wanna write that down because I know myself, like I can't trust my memory because it's it's gonna fail me at some point, you know, one way or another. So I'll just I'll read something, I'll hear something, I'll write it in my notes, I'll I'll write yeah. my notebook. Uh, but I just thought that was just something that I did. I didn't know, uh, you know, like you said, like it was something that you you know everyone wasn't really doing. I thought it was just something that I had to do for myself because I knew my memory at times, like I forget certain things, and I just want to go back and, and re revisit that. But uh, yeah, when it comes to learning, man, I, I think it's it's vital that you know, like you said, they're taking notes and then they're going back and, and understanding you know, what impacted them throughout a, a like you said, a session of a film or, or even like you said, like church, it can be anything like you should be so, in some way, shape or form. You should be recording something that's giving you value and you need to go back and revisit that so you can understand it because you, I don't think you can hear something one time and truly get the impact from it. Even for me, like, I, like I've listened to, I've read certain books 10 times over and, Finally, on the tenth time, I'm like, oh, like you know, what I'm saying, like it was that moment of clarity where I really understood something. But I just, I think that's that's, I think that's a huge that you said that that you should take notes and obviously, like coaches need to understand basketball so they can understand like how to 
how to actually articulate uh, what they, the players should and shouldn't be doing. But players need to start understanding and taking notes. That way they can go back and revisit that. That's huge, man. Yeah, because if you're out on the court with 10 players, you got 10 personalities, you have another 20 people watching you if they're parents. So you have a lot of distractions. you got a lot of anxiety out there on the court. And if you don't know the truth, right, because the truth fears no question, if you don't have tools in your toolbox to uh, teach and adjust and deal with different personalities and give feedback, right, during, mm-hmm. the, during, the, during the practice, because each player has different levels of, of competency, uh, you know, you're going to be lost. You're going to be, you know, spitting mediocre. You're going to be uh, coaching gibberish. You know, you're not going to, you're not going to, they're not going to learn. And so I, 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 you know, I take notes and I learn not to teach and show people how much I know, but it's getting, mm-hmm. getting the student and getting the player to see what I see, to know what I know, to do what needs to be done, to play basketball, to make the right read to make the right play, to be successful. And so, as a, I mean, it helped me because I played the game. And, and sometimes as a coach, the best coaching strategy is, well, what would you do? You're a, ball, you're a baller, Gannon. What would you do? And so when I'm stuck, how can I get this kid to make the right read? I just kind of use my playing, you know, mindset. Hey, man, if you're a player, you come here and just do that or shoot it. It's, mm-hmm. You know, ballers, ballers figure it out, man. And I played – Tons of pickup ball and tons of basketball at a high level. You just figure it out. So I use that with my coaching strategy. And, and, and that's the problem with a lot of these skill coaches that they, they did play ball. They were ballers, but they didn't never study the game. So right. you got to have both. You got to have that basketball baller instinct, you know, to teach these kids. But you got to have more of the coaching education. And, and I coach in threes, you know, always give kids three options, always give kids three teaching points. I try to rhyme. I try to ask kids questions. Why'd you do that? Yeah, good. Do it again. How'd you feel on that? Good. Yep. Do it again. Was that the right read? You're right. No, it wasn't the right read. You need to go this way. And then after you give it up, where do you go? Yep. There you go. Let's do that. Remember that. And so you, you have, it's got to be reciprocity in your relationship on the court, which means it can't be you talking the whole time. Mm-hmm. And it can't, and it, and it can't be you just saying, good job. No, do it again. You got to give correct, specific uh, details in your teaching. You know, you got to be descriptive, okay, with what they're doing. You can't be vague. There is no value in the obvious. You know, you can't be, uh, you can't give obvious answers or obvious teaching, right? You got to give simple, detailed teaching points. And, um, you know, learning is something that, is, is taught. It's got to be taught because, as I said, the physical education mindset, kids come to the gym and they think it's playtime. They think it's uh, McDonald's, you know, uh, play place. <laughs> they think it's Chuck E. Cheese, you know, because our system and edu- our educational system has really allowed physical education teachers just to chill and just mm-hmm. roll out the ball. I mean, I, I'll, I'll admit sometimes when I go watch my kids at school, they're taking P.E., their PE teacher sitting down on a chair looking at his phone. And, and he's supposed to be a teacher. No, teach him, you know, calisthenics. Teach him how to sprint. Teach him how to jump. Teach him how to play football. Like, do, teach him how to play sports, something. Right. It's just, 
you know, it is way it's way it is in physical education. So we got you got to wake these mind, kids' minds up and 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 and, and take their take their uh, minds to the gym. But what I do is even if I have a hundred kids at a camp, one of the things they got to bring to the gym is a notebook. And so all during the workout, they can leave the workout anytime they want and write down notes. If I bring them in as a huddle, right, they bring their notebooks with them. Okay, so that's that's one way I try to do it. And then after the workout, I give my email away. And if kids want extra drills on sheets or videos, I email it to them. And then obviously if they're really serious about working out. I have a 1800 uh, video and PDF curriculum that they can purchase from beginner to pro. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's really just really, really good, really comprehensive and systematic. Right. And I actually watched a video. Um, I can't remember exact. I think it was for your mentorship uh, program. We'll get into that a little bit uh, a little bit later. I want I want you to go a little bit more into that. But just watch the video and even talking about how you work with uh, some of your players that you ask them questions, you get them involved in the process of, of learning. Like you're not just telling them what to do. Like scientifically, it's crazy. Like that actually like. Yeah, you're right on the money. Like that's actually how people learn. Like you get them involved, especially like a novice at something. You'll get them involved yeah. with other novices, and you have them correct another novice or help correct another novice when they're making a mistake. That's like active learning. That by yeah. itself is going to help them learn whatever it is, like the skill or you know the situation, yeah. way more effectively than it is if you just tell them what to do. Because at that point, like I said they become robots. Like you're getting them, their mind, they're working, they're thinking, they're like. Okay, well, what 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 would I do here? Okay, cool. Like now, like you said, you ask some questions, and and that's I love that man. <laughs> it's not like yeah. you're sitting there like a dictator. You're getting them involved in the learning process. Yeah, well, again, man, it, it, I don't give. It's not me. It's, it's the people that taught me, man. I went to college for five years to study to be a teacher, and mm-hmm. it, it didn't matter what I was teaching math, PE, or basketball. Teaching methods are the same. Mm-hmm. And and now you know, as an older guy. I, I try to study good teachers. And to me, uh, when I was 21, I got saved and uh, allowed Jesus Christ to come into my life. And, and now I study him. Uh, not not to only get to heaven, right? But I studied Jesus because he was the greatest teacher to ever live. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he demonstrated miracles physically. And he explained miracles vocally. And so his words captivated people his words brought people his words engaged people and so jesus you know one i mean think about this concept he had a team of 12 ballers he was like yo evil's in the world we gotta go take it out so y'all 12 y'all gonna go around the world when i leave and so right. he he didn't teach the, he didn't give them a fish he taught them how to fish i, I mean that's genius because if, if you give people a fish if you give people the answer, uh, that might help them for a little while, but it's not helping their team. It's not ha- having an impact for the rest of their right. life. They'll forget it, right? Because what you what you forget will kill you. Mm-hmm. What you what what you, what you know is important. That's important. But right. man, I've 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 forgotten so much. Like I go back and watch old stuff all the time, and people say, "Well, old stuff in basketball don't work." Yes, it does. Old drills, old <laughs> concepts work. What, what you got to do is you got to bring a new spirit with teaching. It's a different kid, so you got to bring a different confrontation. You got to bring a different charisma. You got to bring a different connection. Like your connection with people is always changing based on the culture, but 
you know, the foundation principles of drills and, and, and learning strategies is, 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 is works over time. And so I, I always want to teach people how to fish. I want to teach them how to play, not give them the play. So I ask them questions. Give me the three reads uh, off this side, pick and roll. If the defense does this, what do you do? What are four ways to finish off two feet? What are five ways I can guard you if you catch the ball off the triple threat? You got 18 seconds to figure it out or you got to run. And so it's hunger games. Uh, mm-hmm. You didn't give me an answer, run. And so after five, I mean, it depends on how much time you have, but man, after five minutes, you're like, shit, I'm tired of running. So it's survival, <laughs> you know, it, it's survival instincts, man, is fight or flight. And so you put people in a situation where the only way they're going to succeed is they got to figure it out internally. And now not only are you building long lasting uh, memorization, you know, long lasting habits, right? Because kids learn quicker if they figure it out themselves and they mm-hmm. remember longer if, if they figure it out instead of you giving it to them because nothing, like you said, nothing earned is easy. So you make them earn exactly. it and they appreciate it. And it's all about getting them to own, right? The information and the workout. Instead of you giving it to them, if you give it to them, then you're the you're the master. <laughs> you're, you have control, <laughs> and we, right. you can't you can't coach in control. You have non-negotiables. You create a culture of respect, but you can't control your players. If you try to control them, you're not as successful, and the kids don't have as much fun. That's rampant on every level. And then you know, um, once once they once they learn then they're able to go teach somebody else. Right. You know, and now you, you, you found true success. Right. What, when you're able to, to pour into someone and they can pour into someone else, you know, what you've learned that that's amazing. Like that's the point where you're like, okay, like you did something special. And I love, I love the fact that you even said it. Like, you know, you, you want, you know, your athletes, you want the kids to learn you don't you don't want them to actually just like give them like you said you don't want to give them the fish you want to teach them how to fish and there was actually a teacher like I think it was my math teacher like back in high school she gave me one of the best quotes is that if you memorize it you'll remember it for a week if you learn it you'll know it forever and there I you always go. yeah I always took that with me because I'm like all right well I can memorize this really quick but I'm like well what good is that going to do for me two months two years from now like I really right. need to learn it like it pays. It pays to get smart from the from the beginning. So I'm like, okay, like, oh, man, I could just memorize this, but that's not going to get me anywhere down the line. And I'm, yeah. like we talked about earlier, like I'm in it for the long game. I'm not trying to win next month. I'm trying to win for the next decade, for the rest of my life. So I always employ people, I tell people, look, do not memorize this. Learn it top to bottom. Like understand the concept. That way, right. if you get hit with a situation that maybe is not as, you know, like cut and dry, you know the concept. That way you can put together an answer. And from that point, like you've learned something. You, you didn't memorize it. If you, learn, if you memorize it, you only know this one specific situation. But if you learn the concept, now you can be versatile. Now you can be in any situation and still get through it. Yeah, I mean, you know, Oprah said it one time uh, with Maya Angelou. I uh, learned a lot when Maya Angelou, a poet, uh, mm-hmm. was on Oprah's show. And you know, she said, it's hard to learn. It's hard. A lot of factors come into learning. Learning's not easy at first. You know, learning has a lot of pain involved. Uh, it's, it's hard to learn. It's easy not to learn, right? We're all bored mm-hmm. with fear, laziness. It's easy, Xavier, to say, you know what, Gannon, I ain't getting up at 3 a.m., bro. 
we'll, we'll do this at another time. Yeah, that's that was right. easy. It was freaking hard to get up at, at what you did today. But it, but learning's addictive. You know, mm-hmm. you, you and I probably were supposed to go 45 minutes, and now we, we've been going an hour 15. Like it's yeah. addictive. <laughs> it's addictive when when you start learning and, and and surround yourself in an environment where there's passion and there's vision, and there's growth. And that's another thing, is Avery. If you do research, you just look it up. You know, debate me. Uh, you you can check me on this. People that are successful, money, things, power. You know, from an external standpoint everybody that is successful uh it has all these things from a worldly view a lot of them aren't happy and they Mm. found out what what truly brings joy to somebody's life is growth is growth Mm. in relationships if you're stuck in a company and you feel like you're not growing but yet you're getting the paycheck and man you're not happy if you're uh Doing something you love, coaching basketball, coaching a team, coaching kids, and you're not getting better, you're not growing, after a certain point, man, it starts to eat at you. Mm-hmm. You get bitter, you get upset, you get depressed. And so growth is what, you know, we need to focus on, man. It's like that's learning. You learn, you grow. It instinctively, spiritually, it brings happiness. And so right. that's that's you know if you look in the Bible that's where Jesus and is the most proud of his disciples and of us if we're growing and we're learning like that that that's what he means by blessings people think you know wins is gonna make you happy which hey wins keep your job no question you gotta win right <laughs> but it but it's it's teaching it's teaching your team how to act like winners on and off the court and I'll never forget one of my mentors Jerry Wainwright he's at um Tulsa right now, I believe, Frank Haith, uh, he never talked about winning, right? But he always mm-hmm. taught us how to win. He always showed us how to be a real man on and off the court. And and so that that's kind of what – that's why learning to me is so important because I know if I'm learning and I'm helping kids learn, coaches learn, that's going to bring joy. And if you're happy, man, you know, and, and you have joy in your life and passion, it, it just seems like the money, the finances, the – relation you know the 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 shiny objects that people like okay you know Mm. we're human all that (laughs) falls into place or you're content with you know instead of having the best watch right you you got a watch or instead of having the you know an escalade you know you got a a chevy blazer but it's like you know the young young generation thinks the best of the best is going to make them happy. And that's not true. It's are they getting better, right, mm-hmm. as a person? Are their relationships getting better every single day? And, and that, that's fact. That's real. That's real. If you got some life in you, uh, you'll understand that. Thank you for listening to the Basketball and Barbells podcast. I really hope you all got major value from today's episode. Please leave a rating and review of the show. And don't forget to tune in to the next episode.